Because when I think of toxic, when you look at that definition, it means uh, waste. And when I think about toxic, I think about human waste. I'm nobody's judge. I am human. And so since I'll never step into that seat of being a judge, I will never declare another person toxic. It's a, will I, if I am a Christian or if I am any type of person that operates out of love, how can I help somebody? Why would I want to extend a hand to somebody I've declared toxic? No, what's happening is that person is on fire. And yes, if you stand too close to a person on fire, you'll get burned. But I have way more compassion for the person who is engulfed in flames as opposed to me who just so happens to get burned because I'm standing too close to him. Welcome to the Stuff Up Podcast, where we delve into different topics to learn more about ourselves and more about others. And I'm here today with the nocturnal therapist, Harry Turner. Welcome, Harry. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me on. It's definitely a privilege on this end to be invited on your show. So thank you. Oh, you're so kind. (laughs) So you are a psychotherapist and you have your own YouTube channel called The Nocturnal Therapist. Mm -hmm. And you are the founder of the School of Outliers. Mm -hmm. So is there anything else? Yeah, <laughs> that's enough anyways, I think. <laughs> yeah, this is this, that. I'm also, so there's three businesses. I have a private practice. So, you know, I'm a therapist, psychotherapist. A psychotherapist, that word scares people. So I, I've been leaning more towards like therapists. You know, it's like psychotherapist, dun, 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 you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, so I'm a psychotherapist. Yeah. So that's my private practice. That's one business. And then I have my partnership with dietitian since we treat mind and body. And she's, it's when Harry met Daphne, actually when Harry met Daphne.com. And so we have a podcast. That's our, the name of our pat, podcast, actually. And then there's the Is That So podcast. And so that's my third business, which is part of the School of Outliers. And I'm also releasing a course on August 29th. And I'm also beginning uh, a little mini like gathering wow. type seminar type deal on Clubhouse beginning this coming Friday. So, yeah, I do have a few things going on. That's amazing. Wow. So tell us about this school of outliers. Like, what does that entail? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. So first off, it's a bit not misleading, but intentionally it, it, misleading with intention because we're all born outliers. We just forget that. And then we get judged for being an outlier, which then creates shame. And then in our shame, we create defense mechanisms that are not authentic to who we are. And then we live in that inauthentic space for so long that we forget how to find our way back to the heart. And which is why it says that the longest distance anyone would travel is the distance between their heads and their hearts. So the School of Outliers is about traveling back down to your heart and just being your unapologetically authentic self, which is my personal mission statement to assist others. And developing the audacity to live unapologetically authentic. And I emphasize the development of audacity part because it requires a lot of courage in a world that wants you to be a Kenna Barbie doll to be your authentic self. This is the challenge. Yes, I love that. I think that's beautiful. Do you find that we're becoming more authentic in today's age, like maybe 24? 30, 40 years ago, at least when I grew up, I felt like we were very much fake. Mm. And I think more and more people nowadays are becoming more authentic. Do you find that? Most certainly. But that's par for the course, because right now there's great change. 
there's great change happening because there's great pain happening. You see, that's why I say that my pain is not less wondrous than my joy. My favorite author, Khalil Gibran, he says, pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. And so with all of this pain and heartache that's going on, people are beginning to get real with themselves. They can't hide anymore. They can't stay in that, that place of stagnation and emotional purgatory. It hurts too much anymore. And so it's forcing us to make a decision. And many of us are deciding that we choose us. Mm. Yeah. I remember talking to people like I grew up in the church and I always felt like we had to pretend we had to act, put on our best face and act like we were all good. And the first time that I actually spoke to one of when I went to a different church, the pastor's wife, and she was telling me how she's not perfect. And she struggles, you know, they don't have a perfect marriage. And she struggled with, with reading her Bible too. And I was like, oh, for me, that was kind of the first time I felt somebody within the church was authentic with me. And uh, I thought that that was amazing. And so I think we're tired of trying to pretend to be okay. And that's what I love about nowadays. Like so many of us, people are like, oh, there's so many people with anxiety. Well, we're just talking about it. Well, I think maybe there is more anxiety nowadays. But also we're talking about it more. When I was in high school, we didn't. We didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. And actually on the When Harry Met Daphne show last Friday, we, or maybe this week. No, actually it was this week we released the episode that we recorded uh, called It's Okay Not to Be Okay, which is borrowing from uh, Michael Phelps theme. And so we dedicated a podcast just letting people know that, hey, it is okay not to be okay. And it is. this is a reflection of how harsh We've been on ourselves because think about that. We need a campaign just for people to be okay with saying, I'm not okay. Like, when did we get so lost, so sick, so stuck in our own heads that we need a campaign as a species, as a society? Why do we need a campaign to feel good or feel comfortable or feel safe, rather? Because that's the thing, it's safe. It's fear that keeps us silent. Feel safe enough to say, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to go off too much, but we're moving to a space. And I believe that I'm part of that wave of feminine energy that's encompassing the world. I believe that not that masculine energy, there's anything like inherently wrong with it. It's just that it's an energy type and we have to think about balance. Well, there's been an imbalance for far too long of the masculine energy, and we see what it's doing to the earth, to ourselves, to our people. We, we would kill each other over things that are not alive. The discord, the us versus them, no matter what side you are, like uh, politics or no more than gangs, you know, Democrats versus Republicans, Bloods versus Crip, they even got their own colors. Like, what are we doing? Like, when are we going to wake up from this madness? And so... With this pain, going back to this pain, with this pain that we are experiencing, a new feminine energy is being ushered in, one of compassion and one of authenticity. And Mm -hmm. so many people are finally waking up. And it's not that they didn't hear the right thing. It's just that they didn't hear the right thing. You see, when the right thing was said to them, they couldn't hear it. But pain has a way of opening your eyes Mm -hmm. and staring right at what it is that you're afraid of and then making a choice. I found that now, you know how people talking about, they call the younger generation now marshmallows because they're offended by everything or, oh, you want to change this terminology because you don't want to offend anyone. 
And I hear that so often from people in my generation and, and older. And I'm thinking, I kind of like that people are, are dealing with things. Even when you're discussing weight, don't comment on somebody's weight. And I mean, it is nice if you've lost weight and people notice, but the problem is, and remember when Chadwick Boseman passed away and there was talk about people saying he didn't look well, oh, he lost weight, he looks terrible. And they didn't know he had cancer. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that we kind of recognize, you know, should I be saying something? This person might have an eating disorder. They might be sick. And if you were to just go, oh, you lost weight, you look great. Maybe you're feeding into something like if it is an eating disorder, you could be fitting into something negative or you don't know what's happening. And so I think it's good that people are more sensitive, but people don't really necessarily like that depending on who you are. So is that kind of what you're referring to with like the feminine energy where you just like compassion and authenticity and sensitivity kind of? Most certainly, most certainly. And what offends those and I got to say that I go back and forth between the two. I sort of kind of stand between both. I guess that's part of my purpose. Where I do feel that the younger generations go too far with the sensitivity, even though sensitivity is not a bad thing. I understand they remove uh, good or bad from that. It's it's what it's just sensing. So they have that's actually a superpower. They have the ability to sense more and be more in touch with self, which means that. They are halfway there already. They're, they're so far ahead of us. But they have, and with energy, there has to be balance. Mm. It's not about good or bad energy. It has to be balanced. But I understand that this must be where there is, this is just the way of, of us, where there's a pendulum swing, there's an autocorrect. And the, we normally like overcorrect in that space. Yeah. And so what's offending the more older generations is the, the overcorrection. But What's going to happen is a balancing out. This chaos must happen. This conflict must happen in order for there to actually be some true resolution. A decision. We said this today on our podcast. A decision. As a matter of fact, I believe I I wrote it down somewhere. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I did write it down. A decision is the action or process of resolving something. And what we with Daphne brought up was that more than third, we make humans an adult makes more than 35,000 decisions per day. Whoa, that's scary. (laughs) No, no, no. See, that was a judgment, though. (laughs) It just is. Yeah, it just is. And that's what we have to catch the mind, because when we learn something new like that, yeah, to the mind is going to be scary because anything new to the mind is scary, which is why we get stuck in stagnation because it wants what's familiar. Right. Familiarity means comfort. Change is scary, but change is inevitable. Right. Change is the only constant. And so we have to embrace change or else we get left in the ashes of the past. So the mind, and I'm, I'm going to be real quick with this, us daily solving 35,000 decisions per day. So every single day we are constantly resolving something. So decision is the action or process of resolving something. The thing is where we have to develop skill at is what is it that we are resolving? Where are we placing our awareness? Are we trying to resolve some mess that we ain't supposed to be in? Are we trying to resolve something at work by overworking because we don't want to take care of the pain that we're experiencing? So we work ourselves to death as a distraction. Where are we placing our awareness and why? Is it values based? That's the key. That's interesting. And you know what? As soon as I said that, that that's scary. I I was like, oh, I'm saying that in a negative way. And 
What do you think? Do you think people have more of a bent to either positive or negative attitudes? But like if you have a more a negative, I heard somewhere that it's kind of genetics. I come from a kind of pessimistic background. My grandparents, my one parent, everything's so negative. And so I have that propensity, but I've had to, I'm learning and changing that around, but I still find myself kind of going there. Do you think that it's kind of a genetic thing that maybe it's harder for some people to be more positive? Okay. So understand that this is a scientific question that you're asking me, but I want to just preface with this. When I speak, I speak truth from the insights that I've been given. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm speaking from the scientific community. So assume I'm not, and I'm not representing a therapist on this show, you know, I'm just talking as a average Joe. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you from my heart, what I believe it is. I believe again, negative or positive. And I understand why we have these things, but it's a judgment when negative and positive should really be looked at as hot and cold. It's just the opposites. But in this place, in the physical plane, nothing exists without its opposite. Mm -hmm. This is place of business where everything is and nothing is not. So that's the way that that works. So I see it again as energy without judgment, because that's when you see with clarity. When you stop your mind from judging a thing, then what's typically looking at it is your heart. And then you can see with clarity, you see fear, the pessimism that you mentioned. I convert that to fear. Do I believe that people are more fear than others? Yes. Do I believe that genetics can influence that? Yes, because of epigenetics, the field of epigenetics displays how trauma victims, such as uh, the descendants of, of those that were unfortunately a part of the Holocaust, that the trauma and PTSD that they experienced did extend down generations. Mm -hmm. So genetically, yes, that energy, because the mind fear is not necessarily a bad thing. When it's actually a physical threat, it gives you the ability to become a superhuman and defend yourself, either fight or flight or freeze sometimes. Mm -hmm. But when we begin to use that fear against ourselves, that's when it becomes corrosive, when it goes to the psychological plane, because now it's trying to understand and manage things that only the heart can understand. And so it's, it does what it always does, judge things as good or bad, because it was created to keep us alive. And so that's all it does. We know that something when we taste food. Typically, poisons taste bitter. That's how we know, like the brain is processing all of that and letting us know, no, bad, it'll kill you. But I can say coming on a podcast and not knowing what we're going to talk about, I can convince myself that that would kill me. Mm. You see, that's the problem. You mentioned that we are very anxious as a society, and yet we are the safest we've ever been as a species. So how does that happen? Don't think... That the luxuries that we enjoy in this new age don't come at a cost. Mm -hmm. This is why so many of us have to go on a vacation, typically to some resort at some impoverished country, <laughs> in order for us to get a break. All you got to do is drive off the resort and you will see that the country is impoverished wherever you're visiting to. But that's where we go. So we can have a break from what? Right. <laughs> And it's hard in every society. It is different. It looks different, but it is just as hard for everybody. It's just that I need us to wake up and look beyond just what we are looking at, like our slice of pie, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I always I kind of thought that mostly when people are are just trying to survive, like our grandparents during the war, mm -hmm. you don't have time to kind of 
I mean, yeah, they had their own issues. Like the men that came back from war had PTSD and, and that wasn't acknowledged and stuff like that. But they kind of didn't have time to think of these things. A lot of times it was just, you're just surviving. And nowadays we're not really going through wars. I mean, not in North America. They do in other, <laughs> other parts of the world. But so we're getting caught up in other things because we're already at a more comfortable level. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, of course, the, the work, work. There's so much stress that comes from work. And then, of course, social media and the comparing and all the different aspects of, of that. That's what I've kind of heard is what makes us more anxious. Mm-hmm. Most certainly. Yeah, because we have more access to fear. The propaganda that we look at, the news, that's why no matter what new, what side of the uh, field you fall on, when you turn on your news station, whether it's MSNBC or Fox News, you see red because they know that psychologically red scares us and makes us tune in. And then they make the news sound extremely scary so that we stay tuned in because of all of the human emotions, the only emotion that's truly predictable is fear. And so if they want those ratings, they have to scare the crap out of us constantly. And then at the very last minute of the news, they're like, oh, and here's a cute cow that's wearing a bonnet or something, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not the beginning of it. <laughs> it's no coincidence that now mental health is emerging because mental health needs to emerge because of all the things that we study. Many of us have not taken the time to understand the most important and latest tool that we've been given. Tool, not our center, but our tool. Being the mind, I believe it is a sixth sense. Our heart is our center, but our mind is our sixth sense. But we, many of us have not developed the skill of moving from our heart space and then allowing the heart to tell the mind what to do. And so when the mind is in charge, since all it was designed to do was keep us alive, since it was built last, the mind is an extension of the body. And the mind believes that the body is an extension of it. And so the mind is only concerned with keeping us alive but is merely existing the same as living. And that's what people, the question that people are are confronting right now. In this space of stagnation, in this space of discomfort and pain, I I have a nice house and I mean, I have a stable check. You know, I mean, I should be, I have great retirement. I mean, like I should be happy. Like there's people over there who have it worse, which is that in of itself is a rabbit hole, but whatever. There are people over there who have it worse. Like, I should be happy. That is avoidance. Instead of saying what you should be, which is a judgment statement, and that's the mind tricking you again, because the heart does not judge you. It extends compassion to you, but the mind judges you. So instead of asking that question, ask yourself, why am I unhappy? Like really confronting that, leaning into your discomfort, because there's truth there for you. When we experience pain, I go to the doctor. I go to the doctor to discover what is wrong with me, the truth of what's going on with my body that's causing a discomfort. If you experience pain, that means that you need to discover some truth in that space. And if you do not, and this is, I'll pause after this one because I know I could run it. When I was a therapist, a mental health clinician rather, in corrections, in a multi-level security prison, I would teach classes. And in the class, I told them, I said, in this life, you get one of two things. Either you get understanding or you get pain that brings about understanding. And if you don't get the understanding that the pain that you are currently experiencing is supposed to teach you, you will experience that same pain over and over and over again. Ergo, 
insanity, the definition of insanity, to do the same thing over and over, expect different results. Yeah, Because you will go insane running up your head against that wall like that. That is insanity. You have to choose differently. And now today, people are choosing more authentically. Mm. Actually, that's funny because just this morning I was listening to a podcast called Deep MC. The one guy, Shepard, was telling about when he lived in Hawaii and he worked at McDonald's for a while. And he said, there was this man that came in and he was homeless and he would buy a small coffee and a sandwich and he always had change left over. And he said, I'll leave that for the next person who needs it. And he lived on the beach. He got his, I guess, his pension from when he was in the army, but he didn't have much, but he was content. And then the host shepherd would saying, but then you got these people who are well off and they're like, you owe me five cents and you and they're miserable. And you're like, wow, that is so true, because we think even though we know that money doesn't buy you happiness, we still believe it. If I just have that car, if I just have that house, I'll be happy. <laughs> and many of us are not when we get all those things, right? No. And again, the suicide rates, no coincidence, suicide rates are highest among affluent white males, top of the food chain, socioeconomic status wise. But that's because, again, we are used to operating based off what the mind wants. And the mind will trick you and try to use your values against you. And it will say that if you purchase this house, you'll be happy. But really, What the mind is doing is its agenda, which is to keep you safe. It really believes that you'll be safer in the bigger house, in the nicer car, in the nicer neighborhood. If you can stack your 401k up, if you can put as much money in savings, if you can just store away all of these acorns and be miserable. But as long as you can store up all of these acorns, you'll be happy. But again, the mind's only agenda is to keep you existing. And so... The more money in a capitalist society, in a society, but in the world that requires currency, the more currency you have, the safer you are, according to the mind. So that's its agenda. What's your agenda? Because you're not your mind. Right. That's what we have to figure out. What I, what me is deciding in the moment. The mind is the first mate of your ship. The heart is the captain. Yeah. Although, you know what? I used to think, oh, man. What if you're so, because you know, when you're really rich, then (laughs) it's also dangerous because you've got people will murder you or I used to watch a lot of true crime. (laughs) So I used to think about these things, although I stopped watching. I honestly don't watch or listen to any true crime podcast really anymore, except maybe one or two. But I used to be so fearful. And I remember I was just talking to my life coach about this. Cause I used to like, I'm, I'm afraid of getting murdered. And he goes, what are you watching? And so. A lot of that fear came from me always being in that mindset. Like I would watch Dayline like every day. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, yeah. (laughs) Well, being in that mindset, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. It's what a lot of us don't understand. And so whatever we stare at most certainly does become our reality because the mind attaches itself to what it sees. And so that's why people will attach themselves and define themselves based off the car they drive and how big their house is and how much they can show to their friends. Because the mind has attached its identity to it, not it. And again, that's the mind stepping in the captain's seat, mm-hmm. not knowing where the hell it's going. Right. The mind, again, can keep us safe. It is great for operating in this physical plane, but anything regarding spirituality, anything regarding the higher self, because this body is the most lower energy manifestation that we are. It's, it's our lowest form, our lowest energy form. Anything regarding the spirit, which is happiness is a spiritual thing. It's not something tangible. 
it's something you experience. It's a spiritual thing. Anything regarding the spirit, you can only get those answers from the heart. Mm -hmm. And so when the mind tries to solve what only the heart can, then leads to a lifetime of chasing, trying to grab the wind with one hand. Like it's just, it's foolishness. It's, it's fear. It's an anxious, fear-based life. Right. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a minute here and say, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help support the podcast, you can subscribe, rate and review. It helps people to find it. If you also want to help support it financially, you can check out buymeacoffee.com backslash stuff up podcast. Thank you so much. I love you all. Now, there's actually something that you and I discussed mm-hmm. and I found it really interesting. Mm-hmm. So you said that there was like there are no toxic people, right? Or maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but that's what I, you said that there, you don't believe in toxic, that there's such thing as a toxic person yeah. or toxic people. Because we talk about that all the time, right? Like how to avoid toxic people. And we use that term so frequently. And so I thought that was really interesting what you were saying. So can you kind of extrapolate on that? Yeah, that's because the mind believes and convinced because it's fear-based that it has to crap on the other in order for it to be safe. That's, this is why the chaos, the wars happen. It's just another form of otherism, another form of us, them. Because when I think of toxic, when you look at that definition, it means uh, waste. And when I think about toxic, I think about human waste. And I would never, no matter who it is, I don't care if it's a pedophile, I would never be so self-righteous as to step in the seat of judge. I'm nobody's judge. I am human. And so since I'll never step into that seat of being a judge, I will never declare another person toxic. It's a, will I, if I am a Christian or if I am any type of person that operates out of love, how can I help somebody? Why would I want to extend a hand to somebody I've declared toxic? No, what's happening is that person is on fire. And yes, if you stand too close to a person on fire, you'll get burned. But I have way more compassion for the person who's engulfed in flames as opposed to me who just so happens to get burned because I'm standing too close to him. That's true. And yet we so easily say it's easy to become self-righteous too, because I'll look back at, at things I've done and I'm like, ooh, I wonder if so anyone thought that of me that maybe I was toxic, you know, in certain aspects. So you're like, ooh. And then I'm putting that on other people. But I know I say that all the time, especially because it's it's a thing that Mm-hmm. We just say so often, like this manipulative, toxic and narcissist has become a huge term that we use all the time. And I don't even know if we always know what it means, because how many actual narcissists are really out there? But we'll put that term on. I know I've done that to people and I don't actually believe that they're true narcissists. It's just they might have certain tendencies, but. Which then does an entire uh, misjustice to those that are suffering from the disease of, I mean, or the disorder of narcissism, because there are people who actually need help. But it's a very, very small percentage. I don't want to be quoted for the percentage, but it's a very, I, I want to say like less than 5% of the population or something like that. Like I, even lower than that, it may be less than one. I don't know. Look it up, but it's a small percentage. And so when we, because we are scared and we are hurting and somebody hurt us. Again, we got to ask the question, what us is being hurt in that space? But when we are hurt, we seek, we run to our mind to protect us because that's what the mind is designed to do, to protect us. 
And in that space, it does what it does best, which is judge. No matter how you slice it, that's what the mind is here for, to judge good, bad. That's all it knows. Good, bad, right, wrong. Us, them. So in our pain, we run to right into our fears, the prison of our fears, being the mind. We get lost in that space and forget that we are not our mind and we're not our story and we're not what happened to us. We forget all of that. And then we begin to attack the other because that's what the mind believes it must do. If there's a threat, it must eradicate it by any means necessary. And it's good because you'll get a lot of whole lot of self-righteous people that are step up. Like you said, the fad, the fad, like you said, anytime, whenever there's a fad and I'm a part of that fad, unless I led that fad. No, no. Even if I lead that fad, take that back. Even if I lead that fad, if everybody is going in that direction, that means I'm going the wrong way. There's too many fear-based solutions out here. No, love does not exclude anybody. Is declaring somebody toxic an all-inclusive solution? Would that cause a narcissist to want to go and get help? Because now the narcissist believes that they are evil now. The small percentage of them out there, they're not coming to a therapist now. The only people that can really help them out. Not while there's this witch hunt. This is just another form of Salem trials. But what gives me the right to go on this hunt What gives me the right to say you a witch? Let me hang you. That's what we're doing. We're judging each other. And that's what I love about the younger generations is the compassion. But again, that compassion in the mind can take that and bring it too far. And now, even in our compassion, we're judging people because look how not compassionate they are over there. Us, them, the mind has used your values, did a jujitsu move, used your values against you once again to get you to judge something that's good or bad. It's funny because, not funny, but you kind of think everyone assumes and thinks everyone should be at this specific level of awareness. But man, how many people are actually at a certain level of awareness? If you're on the internet and you say something and then other people are like, no, you can't say that, that's bad. And okay, I'm not saying that people should go around saying things, but I know that over the years I've said things, I've put things online that I'm, I look back and I'm like, ooh, but I was, I was working at the level of awareness I had at the time. I didn't really understand things. So I think we don't give that, that empathy or compassion to people to help them grow. It's like, okay, you said that you're now bad Mm-mm. and we're going to cancel you. And I think that happens so frequently. And then there's this fear. I have fear. I get social anxiety posting on on social media <laughs> because I'm like, oh, man, what if I say something and somebody argues or they're just a troll and they hate you? Like, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. so big and overwhelming. And just you come across so many different types of people that it can be scary out there. Again. And what will the mind do? The mind will say, OK, well, all that's going on. Just hide yourself again. Focus on safety. Yeah. <laughs> focus. On, watch the mind. It is constantly trying to trick you. So how do you remedy, how do you stop us or rather once you realize that you were acting at a lower level of awareness, how do you move forward knowing that you were doing the very thing that now you look at and say, they have shame over rather. You realize that, and I have to use my faith in this and understand I don't, I'm not trying to convert anybody. This is the only way I know how to vocalize it. But in my faith, Jesus Christ, before he died, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And you see, he could have easily said, like us, the mind, what the mind is focused on, he could have easily said, forgive them for what they did. He did not say that. He said, forgive them, for they know not 
what they do. See, it didn't matter what they did because the only reason they did what they did is because they knew not. He asked for forgiveness of their ignorance. And so if he forgives you, what gives you any right not to forgive you? There go another spiritual principle, self-forgiveness. Constant, constant, not just in one moment. Oh, I'm not going to make a mistake anymore. I'm going to do better. No, because as long as you're living, you're going to make mistakes because you have to in order to discover the truth of who you are. And so one of the skills that you must have as you continue to wake up and look back at who you were not, which were your ignorance, we're not our ignorance. So when you look back at who you are not, you got to realize that that's not me. I was operating under that level of ignorance and then forgive yourself so that you don't punish yourself and say, well, I'm going to silence myself now. Or I don't know as much as this person, so I'm going to stop speaking. No, speak, speak your truth, speak your truth. If even if it's the completely opposite of mine, speak your truth. I'm beginning a series on uh, Clubhouse. I just knew, I'm new to the program and, and whatnot, but I'm getting on there. I'm doing a series called The Lit Series, and it's uh, doing shadow work with Nocturnal. But The Lit Series, L-I-T, stands for, that's my whole, this is what I encourage other people. I believe that this is at the core, again, of my mission. L-I-T stands for live in truth. Live in truth. That's what authenticity is. And it's not about the truth. It's about your truth and many truths that you have, because it's not just the truth. There are truths that we discover and we continue to discover these truths. Why? Because we're answering that question, that one question that is seared in every last human being's mind. Who am I? Who am I? There's a reason why that vexes us. It's so that we continue. That pain is supposed to help us. That discomfort, that vexation is supposed to help us guide our attention towards Answering that question, because that's the whole game. That's all we down here to continue to discover the truth of who we are. And as we do, we become and operate in more truth of who we are, which means we operate in more authentic, in a more authentic way. And the more authentically we act, the more power we access. And now we've aligned our aura with the choices that we made. We've aligned our physical, our six foot energetic field. We've aligned that with a choice of love instead of fear. And so then you start to see synergy happen in your life. These quote unquote coincidences that you just can't quite explain away. And these coincidences happen so frequently that you know something is trying to get your attention. And then finally you start paying attention and you listen. And now you're following not only the guidance of that connective tissue that we call love, but we're operating in, in standing on, in being protected by that connective tissue called love. I'll st- I could keep on going about it, but the lit effect is about living in truth. That's it. That's what I want you to do. Like, even if your truth is opposite mine, I just live authentically because authenticity is the only path to happiness. Happiness is not a destination to be reached. It's the way we travel. It's an experience. Literally, when you look up happiness, and you look at the origin of it, It's to do that which produces the experience of happiness. It's an action word. I love that acronym. Live in truth. That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we staying lit (laughs) around here. Yeah, I stay lit. We stay lit around here, you know? The nocturnal therapist and his crew, we stay lit. Awesome. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's so true what you said. You have to have compassion and, and understanding and for your previous self. I used to beat myself up over things I did 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I'd be like, oh, that's so cringy. And I would lose sleep over it, like literally. And it's only been, I mean, of course, it's kind of a process. 
But when you're able to let that go and you're just like, oh, well, that's me. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. And other people might think you're a complete dork, but it's so freeing when you're able to just kind of let it go and not worry so much about, well, I said this thing 20 years ago to somebody, right? <laughs> I would not judge myself for, let's be a little bit, a little bit raw here, for urinating on myself as a child. Why? Because that's, that happened so many years ago, right? But time is relative. See, and then we're looking at it through development. But once you fully embody, once you become an adult and, and you have that room, that space to really begin drawing out things and making things happen for your life, once you're set free from the nest, you know, whatever that nest looks like, or if you never had a nest, once you're ready to stand up and start walking on your own, as soon as you're ready to stand up and start walking on your own, what you decide is how do I want to, what relationship do I want with my life? What experience am I really seeking? Right. And the noise that we must get away from. And, and please let me know if I'm, I'm taking it too far off tangent. All right. The noise that we have to ignore is the noise of everyone else's expectations being placed on us. Understand we're all living out our own story. We're all living out our own illusion. Your responsibility or one of the skills that you must develop is not getting lost in someone else's illusion. What is, I don't know, ugly? They say beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? And so ugly is the mind saying bad once again. What would the heart say about that same thing? If you operating, you look from your heart, you will see the beauty in all things. Yeah. And you will see the underdevelopment of other things as well, which the mind judges as ugly because it prefers safety, comfortable. It's hedonistic by nature. And so the key is moving back into your truth and understanding that authenticity, you moving in that truth gives you freedom to freedom from the illusion of your shame. And that's one of the things that we all carry with us, this thing called shame. That's another thing. Notice that we figure out what we're passionate about based off of what we like. We date people based off of similarities. We watch movies based off of similarities, comparison. So everything that we've ever experienced that lets us know a truth about us, it's something that we like, that we're drawn to. No one is drawn to their shame. They're repulsed by it, which then indicates our shame operates under the same spiritual laws as everything else. So if everything you know that you liked eventually led to your passions and that reminded you of who you are, which is really our values, it reflected a value, these likes that lead us right into who we are, then our repulsion or the things that we are repulsed by, such as, quote unquote, toxic people that don't exist, what it really reminds us of is who we are not. It's not that this other person is toxic. It's just that their energy is not evenly meshed with mine. We're energetic beings. Don't think of energy as good or bad. Energy seeks out balance. And so, of course, if a cold front and a warm front come together, there's going to be stormy weather. But it's still necessary for Mother Earth to continue existing, is it not? So even that chaos is necessary. Even the balancing of energies is necessary. All of these things, they are necessary. And so stop your mind from judging it as good or bad, but it must be until it no longer must be. That's such a great way of looking at it. I think if we all heeded your words and and started thinking like that, we'd be in a much loving, more loving, 
compassionate place. I mean, how long does it, is it easier for you now to look at people like that? Like, did that take you a while? Because for me, especially in a moment when I'm frustrated with somebody or I'm like, oh, I automatically think they're toxic. So is that something that you have to kind of, you have to really work through and kind of train your, your mind to stop thinking like that? No, because the spiritual truth, it says that if you ask Dalai Lama, if who, what is a toxic person, you know, he'll probably look confused because there's no such thing. I cannot declare something true for the other, not declare that same thing true for myself. So what we are looking at is a mirror reflection of ourselves. Right now, you, I'm looking at you. I am a uh, bald African-American male. You appear to be a Caucasian female. We both wear glasses. But even though I see, we experience life, because this is part of the game, we experience life as, as separate, I still know that we are connected. And so you are no more than a different version of myself. So how did I get out of that? I stopped hating myself. If you are no more than a different version of myself, then that means that I'm the problem, that I am the question in the answer. I am the problem in the solution. And again, cease from looking at the problem as being a bad thing. Again, for those of y'all who have minds immediately grabbed that and said bad. Yeah, right. No. A problem is there so that we have something to solve. That's all it is. And again, we literally make 35,000. We go through that process, 35,000 trying to resolve something, the mind, decisions. And so see it as something to solve instead of a bad thing. And so once I realized that I lacked love, which my last depressive spell was this year, actually. So when we talk about time span, I kept on, I've been on this journey for a little while, but my last depressive episode I lost myself for a little while. And when I came out of it and I look back at when I lost myself, that I, there was that shame there. And then the insight started to hit me, like the fact that I was even in that space seeking approval because of shame. And the insight came to me that when I seek approval, what I'm saying on a cosmic level, on a karmic level, is that I am without approval from within because we only seek what we lack. I'm not going to ask for a cup of sugar if I have sugar, unless I'm just greedy. I'm glutton. <laughs> but no, I'm not going to ask for something I have. And so when I seek approval, it means that I've already disapproved of myself. And see, that's the game when we turn our attention back inward. And so once I began to accept myself fully coming out of that, because I built up a lot of skills in these other areas that we need for self-forgiveness and all these other things. As I started to this last depressive spell that I never waste my pain. So that pain led me to this skill of self-acceptance and me going back on that journey. It's not that I never begin it, but it's not about doing it. It's about continuing to do it because you got to keep going deeper and deeper in that truth. You're always in the process of learning and growing. Anything not growing is dead. And so since I'm alive, I got to continue building these skills. And so in that space of self-acceptance, I realized that I had a, I harbored a lot of self-hatred and I still have some self-hatred. I need to, I'm still building that skill. But as I became intentional, about understanding how to love myself and accept myself fully and not demonize my darkness and that my darkness is every bit as glorious as my light. When I was able to switch and move to that perspective and I stopped judging myself so much, I realized I stopped judging others. Mm, wow. It's a little bit of a different, it's still the same thing, but I keep thinking, I had this podcast interview with this woman named Julie Glenn and she wrote a book about called if my ass were smaller, life would be perfect. And other things the mean girl inside of us tells inside tells us it's a long title. Anyway, she talks about intuitive eating and not thinking of food as good or bad. Cause that's what diet culture has done to us, right? Or 
has said. And I do that myself. I'm like, oh no, I ate this piece of cake. That was bad. I'm bad. And so when you're talking about that, because I've struggled with binge eating and emotional stress eating and stuff. So that has been in my head for so long. And I'm working on not thinking of things as bad or good, right? Although, I mean, you've got your healthier food choices, but just having one thing, I'd be like, oh no, I messed up. Mm -hmm. And I'd go completely, well, I messed up. It doesn't matter anymore. I was bad. I might as well eat more bad food. And I would get stuck in that. So I kind of also bringing that to what you're talking about with people, but also in these other aspects of our lives and how that can be so hard and damaging to us to think like that. Mm -hmm. If you defeat the enemy within, the enemy without can do you no harm. And so understand that you, we are all living out our illusion. And we all, when we, we're all attempting to answer that question, who am I? And we know that we're trying to answer it because many of us, until we awaken up and choose our authentic self, we suffer from validation seeking and seeking approval. All of us struggle with it. But that's because we're trying to answer that question of who am I by allowing the mind to judge things as good or bad based off of what other people have judged as good or bad, not realizing that they also are in the matrix, if you will. It's when you realize that you're in the matrix, though, that you can start paying attention to what the hell other people got to say about you. Just because you think that you are ugly and other people then confirm your suspicion by treating you as if you're ugly does not mean that you're ugly. That's their illusion. And that is your illusion. And that is the mind tricking all of you, all of us. That's when you really get to see that there is no us in them, that there's only me and my experience and other versions of me in my experience. Like who I'm talking to right now, this sister this is only the second time that we met, but I know that we come from the same source. And so she's no more than a different version of me. So the more that I love myself, the more I can love her. Because I can't extend to the other what I don't have. We extend to the other what we fill ourselves up with. We love to the extent, or we love the other to the extent, that we have love within ourselves. Again, going back to the cup of sugar analogy, can I borrow a cup of sugar? That's first me asking, do you have sugar? Mm. And then second, can I borrow it? Well, I can't give what I don't have. So if I don't love myself, if all I do is judge myself, then of course I'm going to judge you. If all I do is hate myself, then I'm going to hate you. Whatever is inside, we project outward. That's part of the illusion. That's what we do. So fill yourself up with love, and that's all you'll see. And that's all other people will see. And your love, it's contagious when you move in love, and that other people begin to wake up too. And then you're going to have to help them forgive themselves because they knew not. When they were asleep, they didn't know. And in their ignorance, you're going to help them forgive themselves because that's a mind trick too. The mind wants to judge that. How dare you operate like this? I can't believe you did this or that. Judging. The heart doesn't judge. The heart does not judge. So anytime you judge yourself, that is the mind and that is fear. <laughs> I feel like I just had some sort of spiritual experience talking <laughs> with you. Do <laughs> you, you get that from people? <laughs> <laughs> I normally get the whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, or wow. And then it, it, like the long pause which I'm oblivious to whatever you're experiencing right now. I want you to understand that I'm oblivious. I'm not experiencing what you're experiencing. I'm oblivious to how you're experiencing me. 
but it has to be that way in order for me to continue to operate the way that I'm operating. So thank you. Cause I realized that you, your mind has identified me as good, but I believe that that is being led from your heart space, that your mind, your heart told your mind that no, this is for us. He's healthy. Mm-hmm. This what he has is healthy. And so hold on to that. Right. I'm always amazed that when people can speak so eloquently. Now, I'm getting better, but I am the type that will forget words. <laughs> I say like too much, certain things like that. And I think it's kind of funny because I'm just kind of goofy. But I really am like, oh, people speak so eloquently. <laughs> but I was talking to somebody. He goes, practice. He's a public speaker and he goes, it's just more practice. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm getting practice with the podcast, right? Yes. Wait, so are you calling me an eloquent speaker or that person? Both. You are both an eloquent speakers. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for well, that. You just seem to know what words to say. I'm just like, how do you know what words to say? I, I was, blah, blah, blah. see? <laughs> well, if we must say, if we go by the mind's method of judging things as right or wrong, you see, when I stop trying to find the right words and I just speak, I'm no longer operating from the mind. And it's hard for you to walk straight when you're looking at your feet. So when I get outside of the mind and its obsession with judging everything as good and bad, and so it fears me not saying the right words, when I get out of that habit and I move from my heart space and I just speak and I allow it to flow and I don't care, I don't care about the judging. I don't, I just want to be natural and just be free and just be myself. And so I tell my heart gives my mind, tells my mind, hey, I'm going to need you to take a seat to this one right here. I know this is going to be really scary for you going up on somebody's podcast. And and I know that really scares you, but I'm going to need you to take a seat because this is what we're supposed to do. This is just part of the process. Well, it is. It's really interesting when I've, I've looked back over my life and the times when I allowed my anxiety to take over. Mm -hmm. I was so focused on that. Things would just be disastrous. But when I stopped thinking so much about it and I just kind of like went with it and just the words did come or it it wasn't as bad as I expected. And so it can be really hard when you're dealing with anxiety. But if you're able to kind of move forward in some of those aspects and just be like, I'm not going to let it control me today or whatever. I've, I've noticed in my own life, I am less awkward speaking or less fumbly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Words come more to me now than they used to. But I had such anxiety in my head. It was so hard. And then people make you more nervous sometimes because if they I've had people most of my life because I was more quiet and maybe took a little bit longer and they'd talk over me and interrupt me. So then, of course, you get even more like, OK, I might as well just give up speaking. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how that goes. but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's because most people are so caught up in their own illusion that they're seeking to be heard instead of attempting to listen, because listening in self, authentic listening is a radical act of love. And again, in a society that's struggling to understand how to love itself and find its way back to the heart. Yeah, they won't see you because they can't see past their own noses. When we are unaware, that's pretty much what it is. It's all about us. We're not concerned too much about the other. We can put on the front now. We can donate to Goodwill and, and other things like that that say that I'm a good person. <laughs> <laughs> As if there's... I did this video giving, <laughs> of showing me giving a homeless person money. I'm a good person, exactly. right? You see that all the time on social media. <laughs> Again, the mind attempting to solve that 
which only the heart can, which is love. Many of us are looking for approval and love and acceptance. And so we want to show ourselves in the best light because that's what the mind says. Do this. Become Instagram famous, whatever, even though I'm on Instagram. And I do hope to become Instagram famous, actually. But that's from the heart space. It's part of my journey. If that is. And if I'm not, I still I don't have any judgment on it. It is what it is. That's the mind attempting to solve what the only what the heart can, because it's about us accepting us. And so the mind says, "Okay, you're lacking. You want love. Let's go out here and go on Instagram and show myself in the best light. And let me make sure that I never let anybody know that I'm not okay as well, because, you know, I got people like to be around people that are okay. So I don't want to tell anybody that I'm struggling, that I have depression or anxiety. You see, I have PTSD. I have I have PTSD, which is an it was no longer considered an anxiety disorder, but it most certainly is an anxiety disorder. If you understand what I'm saying. And I start, suffered with anxiety as a child. I was pretty much, you know, I was so quiet and so shy that I was pretty much a mute. My stomach, I would get sick. I had severe stomach issues growing up because of my anxiety. I never, I was scared of people. I was scared of going into the public. But look at me now. And that's because of me leaning in my fear. And I realized that this was all a part of the training. That just like coal requires millions of tons of pressure in order to be turned into a diamond, that this pain that I'm experiencing is part of my refining and defining process. And so me being a preacher's kid and being tortured and picked apart as a preacher's kid, judged constantly as a preacher's kid, well, I, that was my greatest trauma. And many of the events that, that occurred because of that, that experience, that foundation, but it's also my greatest strength in that I realized that that sent me into a space of never wanting to be seen by anybody again because I felt that I was too unworthy to be seen by anybody. And lo and behold, life is full of irony. God would say, you know that Instagram that you don't care about, Harry? Yeah, you're going to get on there. You know that Facebook that you don't really care about? Yeah, you're going to get on there. You know how you don't care about like talking to people? Yeah, you're going to talk to complete strangers and they're going to record you. What? What? But again, that's what I realized that my pain is not less wondrous than my joy, because it had it not been for that earlier training, the torture, the judgments that I experienced being a preacher's kid. See, I dealt with that already. I don't have to be the actor or the newly older famous that goes nutso because of the paparazzi and whatnot. As a preacher's kid, you get the fame without the fortune. That's why a lot of us, they say that many of the there's a thing about preacher's kid that they are the worst ones. No, it's not the mo- that we're the worst ones, it's that we're the most judged ones, which then in and of itself would present a lot of mental health issues. And so as other people judge us, what happens is, well, that's all we see is judgment. And so then we begin to judge ourselves. And so then we develop a healthy portion of self-hatred, which then that self-hatred then gets spewed out to others because I can only extend to the other what I have inside of myself. I totally understand your child self. That was me. Come on. I was, yeah, I was so like my family, I'm the introvert. I'm highly sensitive person. I was the quiet one. My family talks a lot. I used to get nervous going to church, like youth group. I'd be like, I'd feel so sick and I'd have like stomach issues. And I'm like, why do I get so nervous even going to youth group? And school was awful. And social media is Oh, it's been so hard for me. I get every time I post, I'm like, I just joined Twitter today for the third time. I kept deleting it. Mm. But I'm like, you know what? I mean, the more I kind of post, it gets less scary. Mm -hmm. 
But I feel you. <laughs> so and understand you said scary. So understand anxiety. Many people say my anxiety acts up. Anxiety is the bodily experience of fear. Mm. So when you say I have anxiety, you're saying I have fear. Mm-hmm. So what is fear? <laughs> Our fear is false evidence appearing real. It is a mirage. Danger is a reality, but fear is a choice. And the mind constantly finds things to scare itself with. That's why we have our amygdala, like literally it's, it's built into us because it's designed to seek out threats and keep us safe. So of course it's always in a fear state because it's always programmed to seek out threats. So it knows that threats are out there, but it doesn't know that you're bigger than those threats. Our fears have no idea how strong we are. Our fears have no idea how talented we are. I heard a joke by Seinfeld. He said, people's number one fear is public speaking and people's number two fear is death. <laughs> was that Seinfeld that said that? Yep, Seinfeld. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty, don't quote oh. me on that, but I'm pretty sure it was Seinfeld. <laughs> and so you know the rest of it then. Then the worst thing at a funeral is not the person who's in the casket. It's the person. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, yeah, let me, let me go ahead and say it because... Oh. Yeah, you messed it up a little bit, a little bit, but it's okay. You did not quote it okay. precisely, as precise as I may be able to do so. That is not a good or bad thing. It's just precision, you know, just accuracy. So anyway, he said that, yeah, people's number one fear is public speaking. Number two fear is death. That means that people would rather be in the casket than given the eulogy. Oh, yes. That. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so look what fear will do. Look what the mind will do. The mind prefers to be in the casket then standing up and using what is natural to us, our vocal cords to speak, because that's all you're doing. The mind perceives a lot of threats because it considers judgment as a threat. But what can judgment do to you? I mean, yeah, if you have a lynch mob coming after you, that's one thing. But if I don't see a lynch mob and all us, uh, the mind is picking up is judgment. What can judgment, people's judgment nor their approval can pay any of my bills. They will not apply for any jobs for me, their approval or disapproval. They will not take any of these risks. They will not come up here and speak on this podcast for me. Right. So how much worth do you want to put behind? How much stock do you want to put behind other people's illusion of who you are? Every last one of us, we're living out our illusions. The key is to wake up. We got to understand that we've been dreaming. And if any of y'all have had a dream and realized in a dream that you're dreaming, you realize how fun it can get after you realize in a dream that you've been dreaming. That's what it's about, is getting to that point of life where you realize that everything you ever needed was right there. It's not about it changing anything in the external world. It's not about them over there or changing them. It's about us. If you want to change the world, you begin with yourself, Gandhi. Gandhi also said happiness is when what we say, do, and think are in harmony. He didn't say happiness is when we go out there and try to otherize people by calling them. T- this is not shame now. Don't understand. Don't, don't, this is not shaming. But Happiness is not going out there and declaring every toxic person that we think is toxic, toxic. That's not happiness. And it doesn't even feel good when we do it because we feel our fear coming off of us when we did it. Because I, while I have not been hung up on toxic because toxic is the newest fad and based off of where I am on my spiritual journey, I'm not going to fall trick to that. I'm not, that's not going to, it's not a stumbling block to me anymore. But my version of toxic, I most certainly was immersed in that. Whatever that is, whatever that version was, maybe... Maybe it was uh, racism, you know, which is a real thing. But I got lost in the illusion because I'm a black man and it has very real consequences. Right. But my fear would have me 
harm and get rid of every single clansman instead of understanding that they are no more than a different version of myself and that they all, they also, they too are lost in the illusion. They're just in a deeper sleep than I am. And so danger is a reality. Yes, they can be very dangerous, but fear is a choice. It's my choice to make. I don't have to fear them. I can acknowledge that they are dangerous without fearing them. And it's fear that causes the anxiety, not the awareness of danger. That's why I don't have much anxiety driving my big truck, even though it is the most dangerous place I could be driving. It's dangerous. But unless you've been in a horrible accident, most of us have little fear driving, even though you're more than likely to get killed. If you're going to get killed in an unfortunate, like premature death, it'll be probably behind the wheel of a car. So danger is a reality, but fear is a choice. Silence the mind that tells you that, that you should fear other people's judgment to the extent that you constantly seek validation and that you don't go out there and follow your heart because people's judgment is more dangerous to you than you not discovering who you are or experiencing the fullness of who you are. That's the real threat. That's the real danger. To go to your grave and never experience the fullness of who you are. Amazing. So that's what Lit is about. That's really, really awesome. Thank you, Harry. I, oh, we've gone over an hour. <laughs> I hope you didn't have an appointment. <laughs> I made sure that I cleared out some space, at least an hour and a half, just in okay. case. I okay. saw 30 minutes, but I was like, yeah, I have a feeling, unless she keeps me on track, that we're probably going to go way over 30. Did I put 30? I usually put an hour. Yeah, it's it. Oh, I don't know. Oops. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I usually go 45 to an hour with people. It don't matter. I was clear to be here. Thank you so much. This has been very enlightening. I really love listening to how you think and how you speak. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's really, it's really amazing. So you've got, you've got a website. Oh, yes. How can people find you? Thank you so much. My goodness. I almost, uh, <laughs> I have to get better. That's both of us. I mean, well, I'm, let me not include you that. My, I'm speaking for myself. I have to get better at also letting people like selling myself a little bit and letting people know where to find me. So it's hard sometimes, right? Yes, to do that kind of thing. Yeah. It is. Becomingoutlier.com and outlier is spelled O U T L I E R. Becomingoutlier.com. That's the main site. There's a, a we're, we're currently merging everything on the website. So you'll also find my podcast there. And I also have ebook store that we're also, but we're also remodeling that as well. So there's a lot of, and I'm releasing my course on August 29th, which is on that same website. So there's a lot of moving parts that we have going on right now. Like August is like a humongous month for us. We're finally like letting people know, hey, this is, we're here and this is our message. And I had to realize that I thought I was here for like my generation and I am here for like my generation too, but I noticed that it's a lot easier for these newer kids, like uh, because of the therapist, like this of a 15, when she came to me at, at the age of 15, and she's now 16. But I'm thinking about this one particular client I have, this brilliant, brilliant, amazing, young Caucasian girl. And I specify that because there's a lot of divide, even along racial lines. But I say things, I speak to her the same way I'm speaking to you, right? And while many of my peers, I can tell that you did a lot of work on your journey for you to understand what I'm saying. While most of my peers or many of my peers cannot hear me, these generations beneath us, they can hear me. They can understand what I'm saying. Like, I don't get the question mark look on Like, they'll have questions now, mm. but it's not, it doesn't appear to be hieroglyphics to them. 
they're very self-aware, I'm finding. I'm like, wow. I watch some YouTubers sometimes and they're like 23 years old. And when I was 23, I had no understanding of many things. (laughs) Look, I think that, again, that, that feminine energy entering into the world, ushering in more compassion, right? And so really, I think that a lot of us have to be self-aware because of what's happening to the planet. Like, it's like, Mother Earth is like, yo, we don't even have any time for you to go through this whole messing up process and stuff. We need y'all to be self-aware pretty much starting out. So look, go ahead on and save the planet, all right? So I think that because of my age and my experience and the fact that I'm noticing that what I say resonates more with the younger folk, even those that are still in high school, Mm. as complex as many years, as many books, as many heartaches, as many tears, as many conversations with God that I had to have to get to this point in my life. When I speak from that place of experience that they can understand that and interpret that and use that and make it practical, I am in awe. This, that one, and there's many of them, but the one particular client that I brought up that I'm thinking about, brilliant, brilliant. And can he, it's just amazing. So I believe that people are moving more towards that Gandhian notion of being the change mm-hmm. instead of waiting for somebody to come and save us. They're choosing to be the change. And that's how we do it. You want to change the world, you begin with yourself. Yeah. I just have to say my niece is 15 and she is so intelligent. And I said to her, oh, I can see you taking philosophy or something at university. But I can share her things with her and she has this great understanding and she's 15. And I'm thinking, wow, you are so mature. When we were growing up, there wasn't the Internet. And we just kind of had the group of people that we were surrounded with. But with the Internet, you have so many different things and aspects that you can watch from different people with different experiences. And I think it's really it's really amazing. Mm -hmm. Watch. And this is how confident I am that I'm here for them when she I don't know if she listens to your podcast, but if she doesn't, I don't know, (laughs) please for me. When you give it to her, tell her that I wanted her to listen to this podcast episode and to give her honest, sincere opinion to you. Doesn't ever have to reach me about how what what we've talked about today resonates with her, especially the things that I've said. Because I tell you right now, I said to the older generation, they'd want to put me in a padded wagon and bring me on down to the to the loony bin. You know, we don't have loony bins now, but you know, the cycle there. But oh, he a real cycle, y'all. Like we need to go ahead on and. We need to get him down. Like he, he actually sees patients. He's treating people for men. He's a mental health issue. Uh, no, 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 no. That's fear. That's fear. And again, often t- the mind's default is to fear that which it doesn't understand. But these younger generations like, oh, like I can see it now. I can see it clear as day. I didn't know it, but I can see it clear as day that I'm doing this for them. And we do this in our generations, right? You see this online with the boomers and the millennials and they're fighting back and forth and Stop putting every generation after us down. You know, we're, I, I remember we did that. We're like, I'm like two, a year off from a, being a millennial, really. I guess I'm a exennial. I don't know. But we're like, oh, the millennials. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Millennials have so much to bring to the table. And Generation said, Z for your country. We say Z in Canada. <laughs> That's a new yeah. generation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generation yeah. Z. Yeah. I get confused with all the different. I mean, they've got another wonderful things that they can bring. We got to stop putting all of our generations down just because it's not Mm -hmm. ours. (laughs) Exactly. And again, what we fill up the other, uh, Tupac Shakur, he had a thug life tattooed on his chest. 
And again, if you allow your mind to judge, if you're outside of that culture and you allow your mind to judge, you won't even see the truth of that. And Thug Life stood for T-H-U-G-L-I-F-E. The little, I mean, excuse me, the hate you give little infants F's everyone. That's what that means? Yes. Talking about growing up in the slums and the hatred that they experience from police officers and poverty and everything else. And that because crime is a deviation from social norms. Well, if social norms don't work out for you because you can't eat and you're starving and you're impoverished and it's crime and you don't know if you're going to be safe, then you have to go against what the norms are in order to survive. And survival is is key. Right. So the hate that you give, why didn't anybody come and save us from this? Why did I have to become a thug? Why did I have to become a gangster? I mean, you have a lot of things to say about me now, but when I was good, but starving, you did not come and rescue me. Where were you Christians at? Where were you religious folk at? Where were you atheists at that say that y'all move in love? Where were you to save me? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Y'all, that's the mass. And so they, you feel that. And I felt that before too, that rage. And I still have like feel that anger. It's not that it's gone. It's that I've metabolized my pain. And so now I'm using that same fire that once, once consumed me, I'm wielding it. I'm wielding it. I'm directing that energy. Wow. And so, yeah, I experience, I have the full human, you know, look, you catch me and uh, when I'm tired and I happen to be lost, <laughs> oh, you will hear me say all type of colorful language. Oh, yes. Oh, it's going to get real colorful. I'm talking about peacock colorful, you yeah. know? <laughs> and guess what? You may judge me for that. I won't. Who's imprisoned? Who's imprisoned? Whose problem does that become? Yeah. You were telling us, okay, so you, yeah, how to find you. Oh, yes. So your uh, website and your, your YouTube channel. Yes. The, thank you for helping me out. See? Oh, my <laughs> goodness. So, y'all, okay, so becomingoutlier.com. There's a YouTube channel. If you go to my Instagram account, matter of fact, if you go to becomingoutlier.com and go to the bottom, there's Instagram, in there's Facebook, in there is a connection to When Harry Met Daphne, which, again, our second to last episode well, the last episode we released was It's Okay to Not Be Okay. Again, ushering in, I bet you, matter of fact, please, if you happen to look that up, that episode up, please give your, is it your 15-year-old niece? Yes. Let her listen to that episode and see how that resonates with her. Because it's, again, it's that theme of like compassion and acceptance and realizing that, hey, it's okay to be whatever state I'm in right now. Be it happiness or rage. I have no preference. Like, I, well, actually, rage is unhealthy. Right. So I want to be healthy. That's the preference. But I won't judge myself. You know, this is all part of the process. I'm a human being. And if I weren't meant to have these emotions, I wouldn't be having them. It's about awakening from that illusion. And so we come to have a full human experience. We were born on purpose for a purpose with a purpose. And so our, our goal is to continue to choose us, to continue to choose to be authentic. Not getting the business of judging the other or looking at the other because we understand that the true enemy is within. You, you defeat that enemy and the enemy without will do you no harm. And once you neutralize the threats from outside, then the mind has no fuel to scare you. You know, it's really funny you say that because the more I've started to love and accept myself, I have less anger out to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I was really angry. I'd get mad at everyone. If they breathed wrong, if, if they touch you accidentally, I'd be like, well, I hate this person. I, I was full of a lot of rage, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I hated myself. So, yeah, I mean, what you're saying totally resonates with me. 
most of the brothers and sisters that we would judge as, or, or he, she, or them, they, that we would judge as a-holes or narcissists. You see that rage? The reason why that rage is there is because of the shame that they are consumed by. And so when we judge them and say, you evil narcissist, does that decrease or increase the shame that they're experiencing? Like literally, we are causing more narcissism by demonizing narcissists. Just like there's been, I don't know if this is a true, if this is a correlation, if this is an indication of science, of, of other things to come, like it's going to continue that way. But there was an increase of pedophilia, despite having much stricter laws, even I think some states even uh, castrate pedophiles. But so despite the licenses and the stricter laws, uptick. I think at some point we're going to have to surrender or acquiesce our need to see the other punished. Mm. And that will begin once we stop punishing ourselves. Once we stop punishing ourselves, then we'll cease the obsession of having or feeling the need to punish the other. Mm. And then we can extend compassion and extend true healing and then finally eradicate a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's becomingoutlier.com. That's where you go at. Go ahead. And your YouTube channel is The Nocturnal Therapist, but your podcast is called Is That So? So when Harry met Daphne in Is That So? So Is That So? was a space that I created because as a black man, and I got to say that this is my lowest form. Now, again, I'm beyond this. This is the lowest energy, black man. This is not even real. Like we're energetic beings. I'm not a black man. But anyway, in this space of business, I am a black man, a bald black man. A sexy bald black man, by the way. But anyway, (laughs) bald black man. So a lot of the frustrations that I have, such as I can't retaliate, like when I've been stopped and been targeted by police officers, I can't retaliate because that means death. And if they're targeting you, they want you to retaliate so they could say, oh, he he resisted arrest. And that's why we shot him 13 times in the forehead. Right. But I, when you suppress that, animals like gazelles, if you see a gazelle narrowly escape the capture of a lion, the Discovery Channel and other scientists, they'll, they'll watch the gazelle and they'll go over to when they're safe, when the gazelle is safe again, you see the gazelle do this jerking motion. It's real violent, like jerking motion. And it just keeps dancing like that, jerking real bad. What it's doing is getting rid of the trauma in its body because the gazelle realizes that it just, it almost died. And that amount of adrenaline and that scare and that fear, fear is toxic to the entire being. And so even animals with God's infinite wisdom, understand that, hey, I almost died. I was scared as crap. That lion, like, literally scratched both sides of my ass. Excuse me, my behind. (laughs) That's okay. Like, trauma. I need to get this toxicity out of my body because if I don't get it out of my body, I'm going to start spreading it. And it's going to eat me up and it's going to eat it up. It's going to eat everybody else up because I'm going to project it outward. And so we don't have those natural mechanisms. And so is that so became a space for me to just vent. So you may not, sometimes you may hear Gandhi Harry. Sometimes you may hear Fred Hampton of the Black Panthers. Sometimes you may hear, I don't know, Barack Obama. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who you're going to hear, but all of it is me. I'm every color of the rainbow and I accept it all equally. And that's what I encourage you to do. Stop demonizing things as good or bad. Oh, that's so funny because people always thought I was like this little goody two shoes. And then I'd be like sometimes using the F word or I'm like, I like Eminem. I like, you know, yes. <laughs> we are not just this little thing. We're a variety of things and we have different ranges of emotions. And yeah. 
This is why many people have gone against the, the, the religious communities, especially particularly Christianity. That's the main one, because there's a whole lot of let me let me just be real with y'all for a second, because I, I, I know it's going to hurt a little bit for some people. Oh, they've heard it from me. I'm sure I've they've heard it from you. Well, here we go. So let me say that we don't have an issue with the religious community, which is why yoga pants is a fad. <laughs> yoga is a religion like Buddhism is a religion. Karma, like these things are, these are religious things. But when we say religious, what we're trying to do is tiptoe around the fact that in this Western society, the perversion of Christianity, the false teaching of Christianity has traumatized many of us. And so our issue is not against religion, it's against Christianity. But we don't want to say that because many of us are still in contact with the very people who traumatized us, which are our parents or our aunts and uncles. So instead of really acknowledging what really traumatized us, we just say the whole religious community is poison. While we go out and buy the yoga pants and do yoga practices and practice Buddhism and practice Hinduism, because those are safe to us. Our people didn't traumatize us with those religions. Mm -hmm. So they're still safe to the mind and we accept them. We got to stop otherizing people. And and I'll say that I am a Christian. Mm -hmm. But do you think that this black man believes in the same God that... The Klan does, because the Klan was started by four Southern Baptist preachers, Protestants, same title as myself. Do you think that we believe in the same thing? We got to understand we can't just otherize people and just lump people together and say, ah, you scare me. Goodbye. I think we do that because it, it's so easy. Like, I don't always know the terminology or the what specifically it is. I just know it's like this fundamentalist or it's shame. That's what it is. It's shame. It's the thing that causes shame in us. When you think about your harmful experiences, that the, the religious trauma that you've experienced, it shamed us. Mm. That's why we can't stand it. We're repulsed by our shame. And then religion, we've attached our shame to religion. And so then we begin to attack, well, specifically Christianity. Yeah. We begin to attack Christianity because when we think about it, we think about all those shameful experiences that we've had. Yeah. We got to understand that that's truly what we're attacking, our shame, not the religion, not any religion. Mm -hmm. And I have nothing against anybody who believes anything. My belief is my belief. And it's for me, nobody else. But we got to understand what we're really dealing with. And the root of it is our shame. You can eradicate. If you hate Christians, you can eradicate every Christian on the planet. Let me tell you, you will still find something else to hate Mm -hmm. because you're not dealing with the root cause. If you defeat the enemy within, the enemy without can do you no harm. Where is these so-called Christians that you want to attack outside of self? <laughs> you deal with self and you eradicate that fear that you have inside of you. Those Christians won't bother you no more. You'll be there to stop them if they try to harm somebody else, which you, everybody, every good Christian should do. But to the false prophets, you're not going to attack, go on an attack like them no, anymore. You're not going to fear what they're going to say when you go to your family dinner and then holding all that, that pain and anger and then spew it out on other Christians that you believe is a safe target because mm. they're not family. Right. That's what we're doing. We're projecting our pain out. We got to stop doing that because it's creating shame. It's creating shame. It's just, it, we got to stop attacking each other. No more otherizing. All right. So becomingoutlier.com. Becomingoutlier.com, y'all. <laughs> I'll put all the links in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will <laughs> yeah. send you the links, y'all. And look, stay lit. It's about that lit effect. Oh, this biggie. This is a biggie. And I'm going to have to send you this. Clubhouse. I'm beginning next Friday. I'm beginning a series on Clubhouse called the Lit Series. Shadow work with Nocturnal. Shadow work with Nocturnal. And no, for y'all Christians out there, and I'm a Christian as well, 
It's not some evil witch voodoo Salem stuff. I'm not going to be like doing a seance or anything like that. Don't be afraid of the shadow work. You know, like we all have a shadow, y'all. You know, it's okay. We're going to be safe. All right. I'm not going to attack anybody. You're not going to be in any danger if you do shadow work with Nocturnal. All right. So on Clubhouse, (laughs) 4.30 p.m. Central Time. It actually, yeah, that's the room, right? I think the room is called Shadow Work with Nocturnal. Is it going for a while? Yeah, I'm beginning on this this coming Friday at 4.30 p.m., but I'm going to continue. It is going to just continue with that same theme of shadow work. Okay. Just different topics because the shadow work is about, I'll just sum it up in all this because we, we and I, we could keep on going. <laughs> but I'll sum it up with a quote by Carl Jung. And he said, it is, well, until, he said, until the unconscious become conscious, becomes conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Until the unconscious becomes conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. So if I don't know that it's my shame that really has me miserable, I'll continue to attack those other people over there. Be it Christian, be it toxic, be it the Klansmen, be it whoever. It's we're all living our own illusion and we have to realize that. And when we do that, when we usher in this new age of compassion, people will begin to treat this, the pain that they see in other people, they were treated like the same way we do when we see people with the flu. Oh, I'm so sorry that you're feeling sick. I hope you get better soon. Unless they're a threat, then you got to put them down. But no, nah, I'm sorry. You know, not put anybody <laughs> down. I'm sorry. Well, thank you so very much, Harry. This was amazing. Uh, thank you. You're my longest interview. Woo-hoo. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Y'all stay lit. Stay lit. That's it. Stay lit. Stay lit. That's it. Stay lit, y'all. That's all. The lit effect. The series is called The Lit Effect. uh, Shadow Work with Nocturnal. It's about getting lit. Living in truth, y'all. So come on out there. Go get lit. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Get lit, y'all. A licensed therapist said that. Go get lit. Harry Turner, everybody. If you want to follow me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at Steph underscore Ann underscore Web, Instagram Stephanie underscore Ann underscore Web, Facebook Stephanie Ann Web, and my website is stephanieannweb.com, where you can find my podcast episodes for the Stuff Up podcast and check out my blog. And you can buy my children's book called What Should Dragon Do? A story about living together with other people, how to handle the little situations, and how to live together with kindness. I appreciate you all. You are amazing. Thank you so much for listening. Now go out there and make it a great day. Bye.